For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a thing with the latest Newcastle news, gossip and social stories as they break. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. crossover pod for you ladies and gentlemen i am with the best damn co-host in the land sorry adam and zach uh elijah newsome and i'm with the best damn false nines podcast in the land adam and zach how's everyone it's footy time there we are happy to be here yeah very happy to be here thank you for thank you for the invite our friends over at chn radio um Desperate times call for desperate measures. They've they've called in the ringers here on CHN Radio. The yeah. false nines are making a guest appearance. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's it's time to it's time to uh, coordinate the joining of the brain trust and, and get everyone in the room. Get everyone yeah. at the war table. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Bringing the out knights, the big guns. The knights mm. of America Newcastle podcast. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but but happy to be on, guys. And yeah, exciting. Hopefully, exciting things to talk about today. But maybe well, exciting maybe. is a word. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, we've we've get, we're getting an opportunity now to do something that we've always wanted to do is talk about Mike Ashley's tenure as if he is no longer with us, which is something mm. I've been waiting for for a long time. Um, but first, <laughs> some things that we can start with is uh, I want to introduce Zach to kind of talk about false nines, give more of an introduction. And if you aren't familiar yet, shame on you, but you can subscribe to Coming Home NUFC wherever you listen to your podcast and you're going to get a bi-weekly little taste of them. They give you just enough mm-hmm. to keep hanging on. Uh, but Zach, yeah, exactly. give us a nice intro of what y'all do. Yeah, absolutely. Th- thanks so much, Greg. So um, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Zach Pensack, and I am the founder and co-host of the False Nines podcast. Um, started the False Nines uh, just under two years ago, right when I moved to Denver, Colorado, where I currently reside. And um, really, I was just looking to, to talk footy uh, on a semi-weekly basis, as was the original intro uh, that I gave. But False Nines um, kind of just expanded a bit uh, farther from the Premier League to European football to really anything in the current event. So, um, yeah, Adam, uh, my co-host, uh, joined me. Uh, Adam, it was about a, about a year and a half ago now, just mm-hmm. under a year and a half ago. And, yeah, we were so, so excited um, last November to, to get invited uh, to, to join CHN Radio. So um, if you've seen these kind of uh, adverse images and titles for podcasts on the channel. That was, it was, it was no sinking mistake. It was an intentional upload uh, as we were, you know, graciously uh, invited to join the channel. So 
again, uh, to reiterate with what Greg said, super excited to be on today. It seems like it was a long time coming. And yep. Adam, I have just one question for you. What's that? With the recent takeover, we're, today is going to be mainly about Mike Ashley, but I do have a takeover question for you. And uh, one of the players that I wanted to get ahead of this, uh, because I've said it off air, and I need to say it on air, uh, I predicted Gareth Bale to Newcastle uh, <laughs> a little while ago. So my question for you is, Wales golf Newcastle? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It, it might be Wales, Newcastle golf, but it okay, certainly be I Wales can do that. first. I can honestly, yep. any order. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. As long as it's those fine. three words if, are if together. If Gareth I'm Bale fine. is wearing a Newcastle jersey, <laughs> I'll take any order you want of those three, Greg, to be honest. As CEO and chairman of the False Nines, I fully endorse that purchase and transfer. Mm. Uh, Zach's raising some eyebrows at me right now, but it's all good. It's all good. Uh, but yeah, super excited to be on with you guys. Um, we're all four of us Newcastle fans. I've said this a couple times before. Zach and I always joke that our podcast is 19 times better because we cover the entire Premier League. But at the heart of it all, we're all Newcastle fans, right? Um, we all want to talk about like our beloved team. And uh, the good news is, is we're really the only thing in the news right now. So what yeah. better time to come on and, and can talk about Newcastle and talk about it with uh, the CHN radio crew. So happy to be yeah. here. You know it's bad when SB Nation's like retweeting articles that we've written. It's like, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's like oh. The turn, got a turn. retweet bump from SB Nation this week, so he's killing it. Yeah, St. <laughs> James's Park has become the the proverbial Madison Square Garden of sports <laughs> news. Yeah, <laughs> definitely uh, across the world too. It's it's kind of wild thinking about it. So let's get into the man who has played a big part in creating all this controversy. And that is Mike Ashley, uh, the brilliant businessman, in my words, to terrible football owner. Um, he, uh, let's just, well, I guess we'll get right into the history of it. He bought Newcastle May 23rd, 2007. Uh, he bought the 41.6% stake in Newcastle United for a total cost of 55 million three hundred forty two thousand two hundred and twenty three pounds uh he is set to get paid three hundred ten million pounds good businessman i would mm. say yeah <laughs> or good just business, lucky businessman <laughs> yeah still inflation, still, inflation. <laughs> yeah um, inflation. <laughs> so yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly the the club has gone through a lot obviously um in his years as newcastle's owner um and we've had to suffer through a lot and the idea of Newcastle United completely changed across the world. Everybody's view of the club completely changed. Um, and we'll leave it to us to talk about how that has changed. So the first thing we want to get into is a fun little question that I have is, what was your favorite positive Mike Ashley moment? And we'll, we'll start with Elijah. Um, we'll give oh, gosh. the false nines a little time to think about it too. Well, I I don't know if I want to give Mike Ashley the credit, but as uh, many of you know, and if you're a false nines listener, you may not know, I'm from the beautiful city of Atlanta, the greatest city in this entire world. And so honestly, the best thing Mike Ashley's done is buy my favorite player from Atlanta United, which is my second favorite team. So um, I'm going to give him the credit for that, even though like he probably didn't want to spend the money and he didn't scout the player, and he, like, really just signed the check. I'm going to give him credit for that because 
it was a great moment for me. It was the peak of my journalism career. Um, and yeah, that's that. Mm. We birthed Roberto Rojas because of this. People forget. <laughs> we were the first podcast to have Roberto Rojas on, and now he's 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 like got all the clout in the world. Yeah, we, we were the ones that we broke the first link. Like we had him in to link Miguel Almiron to Newcastle. Mm. And uh the that it happened helped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is that is cool, kind of like bridging that gap for you, Elijah, of yeah. you know, two two things that you thought probably for the longest time wouldn't be wouldn't really be related between Atlanta United and Newcastle. But I, I remember a few days ago, I was watching a video of, uh, I don't know how I stumbled upon like Miguel Almiron's best goals in the MLS. And just, just seeing him do that, that Dragon Ball Z celebration time and time again, I was just like, man, I, I kind of, like, I kind of feel bad for the guy. Like I love Newcastle and I'm so glad we have him, but damn, like he was, you know, the world was in his hands when he was at Atlanta United. Well, ho- hopefully, you know, maybe we can maybe, maybe we can rejoin the duo. Have you thought about that at all, Elijah, since the news has broke? Yeah, I've thought about it a ton because everyone keeps, like, tweeting at us, like, hey, buy Joseph Martinez. And I'm like, it's not going to happen. Um, yeah. Joe Joseph- Martinez better than Joe Linton. I'd say that right now. Do you, I do mean, you think he sure, stays sure. stateside, Elijah? Elijah? He's obsessed with Atlanta um, and the city is obsessed with him. Like he literally is a King here. It's, it's really hard to envision him leaving unless there's a lot of money involved. Um, I would imagine like the way his, his career ends in Atlanta is if Atlanta blows up their team. Um, Mm. Cause he's not, it doesn't seem like he's actively seeking to play out in Europe. Cause I think unlike a lot of players who are young and coming to the MLS, he's already been in Europe. He's been there, done that. He's had his experience, and he wrote about it in the Players' Tribune a, a while ago, just talking about he he had the the experience every footballer dreamed of. He lived at, like, the base of the Swiss Alps or something like that, the base of the Alps or something like that, um, and had this so, beautiful home and all that stuff. Like, Mike Ashley, it was, though. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, anyway, you're right, Mike <laughs> Ashley. Joseph Martinez is nothing to do with Mike Ashley, but Mike Ashley did you're buy right. Miguel. So he's a good man in my book for that reason and that reason alone. We can ignore yeah. everything else about him. <laughs> What about you, Adam? Uh, all right, Mike Ashley moment, most positive, I guess. I would say probably the most positive for me is bringing Rafa Benitez to the club. Um, mm-hmm. We'd gone through kind of a spate of bad managers before that one, and I feel like, what are you guys laughing at in the background there? Get out of here! <laughs> well, Rafa Zach's Benitez, is freaking out because he was like, "That was the one I was going to say." He's going to ah, say that's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I'm glad I got to go second. Thanks, Greg didn't even plan that um but Rafa Benitez coming to the club for me brought a lot of credibility to Newcastle now he wasn't without his critics Rafa got criticized for his tactics he got criticized for playing too defensively playing not to lose versus playing to win but for me Mike uh, Mike Ashley bringing Rafa Benitez in was probably the biggest coup that he could have uh, had uh, in terms of the managerial coup during his tenure there um, and Rafa Benitez coming in, I think, instantly gave us credibility with teams. You know, I remember going and watching games, seeing us playing against um, teams where we were playing against teams in the top six. And we didn't necessarily have the caliber of players that would compete on a regular basis. But we had the caliber of manager that could pull something out, you know, in terms of his tactic, tactical new and his tactical savvy. So seeing Rafa Benitez there on the touchline, maybe that's something we get to see again in the near future. But for me, was a was a highlight of the Mike Ashley tenure. Yeah, and uh, 
Zach. <laughs> oh man, that, that was like not only did you take my my uh, my answer to that question, but you pretty much said word for word exactly what I was gonna say. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say for for sake of staying true to my own thoughts, I'll reiterate what Adam said. I I, I think yeah, getting Rafa Benitez and even you know putting aside anything that he did on the pitch as a manager, but uh, kind of really chiming again on on that latter part of Adam's point was was getting that spotlight on Newcastle. Um, you know, the best that we finished under Rafa Benitez was in tenth. So there was really you know no, nothing outwardly impressive about that finish um, in the table, but. Well, what it does is it has that constant spotlight on the club because of the pedigree that the, the manager has. And I, I really, like, I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and I think that the, the fact that Newcastle is on the brink of being bought out and not only being bought out, but potentially having this unlimited wealth, is it really comes down to Rafa Benitez. And I, I would think that you know, the three years that he spent at the club is really what garnered the attention and the interest from these prospective owners. It, it wasn't, it wouldn't have been the same as if we had, you know, a, uh, I don't know, a Steve Bruce type manager or a Tony Pulis for a number of years. I, I just don't think the interest would have been there on an international basis. Yeah, I, uh, there's one, there's one thing that I think everyone's forgetting. And well, so for me, I started following Newcastle like 05, 06 season. So I, I just got in there before uh, Newcastle uh, had Mike Ashley. So I got to experience a little bit, but right when he was signed, it was euphoric. We thought that we were in the money. We thought we got one of the richest owners in the world. And then Mike Ashley also went throughout Newcastle, started drinking with the fans, was wearing the tune top to home games. To even to the point where, for the time where Darby, like Sunderland said, you are not allowed to wear the top, the Newcastle top, to we will not let you into the box, the owner's box, if you wear it, because he's been wearing it to every single match. Like, and the fans loved him. He was in the way and drinking with Newcastle fans at Arsenal. Like, yeah. people forget about, like, that actually happened. So at that time, I was like, this guy's the man. Like, this guy's mm. the best. And uh, that didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, every, there was a time where everybody was in love with Mike Ashley. And it, it's almost a, it's almost a matter of two extremes with him, right? Where it's either you know he's this buddy who this like friend who's just drinking with everybody else, or he couldn't care less about the fans and everything's a business. But I guess that that ultimately was the issue is there was no in between, there was no balance of those two. No, not at all. And it quickly fell downhill, and uh, we'll we'll talk about that. So. Everyone, uh, the, the, I guess the rest of what Newcastle's tenure was after these wonderful Mike Ashley moments, I guess, uh, was the downfall. We immediately experienced relegation. We came right back, and then we struggled throughout the the Premier League seasons. We lost too many games or went too many games without a win against a certain team nearby, um, <laughs> got relegated again. Then, well, the day – or I guess a couple of weeks before relegation, we signed Rafa, which was lovely. And so was that entire championship season, the next one. Um, and then it's just kind of been the same. And you kind of see that trend just repeating itself again and again and again. I'm sure in three more years with Mike Ashley ownership, probably get relegated again, hopefully come right back up. Um, and you just kind of hang on for a ride that you hope the club will survive through. And it looks like we may have gotten through it. Um, but 
before we get into the, the really exciting stuff, what fans really want to hear is the stuff we hate about Mike Ashley. We're going to take a break. And we're going to take a break right now. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Newcastle videos and podcasts, download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. And we're back with the best part about what we want to talk about with Mike Ashley is the things we just didn't like. And actually, uh, Elijah, I wanted to comment actually something that you tweeted on Tuesday, which was about with, I think it was with Roberto, if you could interview one person and in sports, who would you choose and why? And what was your answer? Mike Ashley. Yeah, why? I, I, I just... <laughs> Yeah, that was the reason. It was like, why? I would like to know, like, the reason behind everything. Like, why are you the way you are? Like, what what goes what goes into the mind of Mike Ashley when he does all the dumbfounded things? Like, does he really believe that he is, like, fans paint him as this villain that he's not? Like, I, I just want to get inside the mind of Mike Ashley because, frankly, like, I don't know. He's an interesting character, and he's done a lot of really questionable things. And – I don't know. I would just love to sit down and just understand why. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, I'm sure all of us do. Um, yeah. So we're, we're going to go around the horn, I guess, a little bit here. Um, and we're going to talk about criticisms of Mike Ashley. Um, and then we're going to get after that, we're going to talk about best and worst. We'll have some fun there. So yeah. let's go around the horn. We'll start with Adam. Start with Zach. Shikagoffin. Oh yeah, because I oh. I uh, started with Adam last time, so we'll start with Zach. So Zach doesn't. Yeah, go for it, Zach. I won't steal your answer this time. I, 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 I was gonna <laughs> yeah. say I, Zach I doesn't have to say, get pissed. And <laughs> I'm trying to hedge my bets here. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, so let's just talk about like terrible moments, like uh, that Mike Ashley did as an owner. Just and we'll just bounce it around. Okay. So we'll go to look Adam at, and then Elijah and then me. Look at looking for like specific moments. Would you yeah, say? just yeah, whatever ahead. pops in your head, it's just a good talking point. And we can still – we can expand on whatever topic we want to talk about too. Ooh, okay. Keep it open. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, okay, so my first thought was kind of more of a more general theme. But if, if I am going to circle it down to one specific moment, uh, I would say the way in – and this is uber-specific and kind of ties to something I'll say later in the pod, but – I would say the the way in which um, he let go of Jonas Gutierrez oh, yeah. was the mm. single worst moment for me as as a Newcastle fan, but even almost bigger as a fan of Jonas Gutierrez and the journey that he had gone through, um, you know, being di- being diagnosed with cancer, going back home to his native Argentina, overcoming uh, you know that that horrible diagnosis and then coming back to play for Newcastle and scoring the goal against West Ham that arguably kept us in the Premier League and then after that to, to be so unceremoniously and so just unprofessionally let go via text message uh, allegedly by by Mike Ashley and, and Lee Charnley and the, that whole you know upper management group it, it was just like and this kind of, in a way, speaks to what Elijah was saying is of asking him why is like, how do you, it just boggled my mind how he had such a disconnect with basic human emotions. And like, I, I remember that day because I remember how infuriated I was that my favorite player of all time 
was was treated in that regard and it was just it, it was a dehumanizing moment so that that was my single worst moment for him yeah and, and kind of on that point i think to kind of sum up a big criticism of the ashley area in general is just like kind of a lack of of just like sympathy that mike ashley has for the fans the players that it seems to be over the years it seems like no matter how bad things get at Newcastle, he doesn't want to accept responsibility for, for any of it. it. It's never his fault that the club is bad. It's never his fault that, you know, the club is struggling. It's never his fault that the fans are upset. It's always someone else's fault or, you know, other people are taking it too seriously. And that's that's Mike Ashley in a nutshell. He seems to not have um, – he can't process, like, empathy, I guess, is, is the emotion he just doesn't have. Yeah, empathy was actually the word that I was going to use. I'm glad you added that in there. It's it's all about empathy with Mike Ashley. He just has none of it. And he has no, there's no sentiment. You know, there, you think about Kevin Keegan coming in as manager. You think about Alan Shearer coming in as manager. He could give two shits about the history of the club and how those two are just so integral in terms of the, the history and the background of Newcastle United. Um, he could care less. It's not important to him. He brought them in as somebody who would, uh, basically be there that he could hang as a scapegoat if we didn't survive, which he, which he did as somebody he thought he could walk all over. And then basically, um, you know, as, as it turned out, neither of those were successful hires for him. So I have no sympathy for him there. And uh, I think, I think that's a great point. Actually, Zach, to your point, he actually found out Jonas Gutierrez found out about the fact that his contract wasn't getting renewed because he overheard John Carver on a call <laughs> saying that he wasn't going to get his contract renewed. That's how Jonas learned Trash. that he wasn't going to get his contract. <laughs> that's how it was. Yeah. I mean, it, that that's exactly it. And that, that sums it all up is, you know, Mike Ashley was always the pantomime bill and it, it was never, you know, it was never his fault. There were, there were things that were kind of put in place that caused for his, you know, demise. And I think that's kind of the irony is like, it, he is the man who is responsible for running a club and making the machine tick. But when the machine didn't tick, he assumed no responsibility for it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a paradox at play. And um, yeah, I, I agree. I, no, no, not one ounce of sympathy for, for anything that man, you know, takes on the chin. All right, Adam, do you have a, another topic you'd like to bring up? I do. Um, yes. I think somebody will will probably Pace. talk. <laughs> somebody will probably talk about the the naming rights to St James's Park. I think that'll be somebody's focus. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one alone, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a date for you guys, and I want I want you to tell me why this date is significant for Newcastle oh, no. fans. Oh no, June 2020, two months from now. Why is that date significant? That, that is the end of Alan Pardew's eight year contract. You're absolutely correct, sir. <laughs> June 2012, Alan Pardew signed a deal with Newcastle that would be expiring in two months had he not been fired one year into that eight-year contract. <laughs> what was Ashley thinking when he offered that man an eight-year deal? Could you imagine? Oh my God! I don't know if you know. I don't have to back anything up. I have to say anything else. No, Please, no, Mark, like take, you're good. Take, no, it, take it away. That, that's, that's that's it. That's, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> I, I think uh, something. Well, Elijah will go to you next because I think this is pretty consensus and doesn't really need much of a deep dive. But screwing up Keegan, like I mean, that was yeah. abysmal. Like he appointed him, and that's this is when everybody was in favor of Ashley, and then Keegan uh, decided to leave the club. And for what he said was because they of, of player recruitment. And one of the things which still to this day is mind-boggling, uh, it's signing Nacho Gonzalez over Bastian Schweinsteiger. That's one of the reasons why Keegan left. <laughs> so 
yeah. yep, that happened. <laughs> that actually yeah. happened in Newcastle. Uh, they would go went against his wishes and Nacho or Bastian. Uh, you know, not a great idea. Yeah. And, and kind of on that point of, of signings, I think that's my other, my, my next thing was just with the signings and just being incredibly cheap about everything uh, from everything from our training ground, our training ground, having a kiddie pool where the players are taking <laughs> their ice baths to just literally not wanting to spend a certain amount of money. And we're talking like not a difference of a few million. We're talking about a difference of a couple hundred thousand. Uh, I most recently, I think one that pops out is Nicholas Taglificio or Taglificio. I, I don't know how to say his name, but we're talking about starting left back for Ajax, starting left back for the Argentinian national team, a position. This was, I want to say, going into um, Rafa's first season in Premier League with us. Well, I guess technically a second season in Premier League with us. We were linked to him. Five million pounds. That's it. Five million pounds for starting left back for the Argentinian national team, starting left back for Champions League side Ajax. Mike Ashley is like, that is too much money for a player that is over the age of 25. And I just, I at that moment, I was like, I, I don't know what you want. And, and there are so many stories of players we missed out on because of Ashley. I mean, obviously the big one is, is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who Mike Ashley didn't want to pay for. Um, obviously that, that didn't turn out well. And it, it's annoying because it, it's – there's we you could you can you want to imagine that Newcastle would have been in a better position um especially when you see we finished 10th with like you know barely having a left back and for most of the season not being able to score a lot of goals under Rafa um and it's like if we could have invested in in clear weaknesses you know would we be in 10th or would we be in 7th or we would be in sixth, or we would be in fifth. And so that's the annoying thing is that, you know, there's the lack of investment. But then when you see what's the product on the pitch, you're like, well, if we had just spent a few mil here, we'd be better off in so many different ways. And so that that's obviously incredibly frustrating. And that's a big part of the Ashley era is just his unwillingness to spend money. And which is why the last, you know, couple transfer windows, honestly, have been incredibly shocking for everyone. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, is there any other highlights that anybody want to add? And, and then we can all get into renaming St. James after that. Low, low lights, I would say. You you talked about uh, <laughs> you talked about some people that we missed out on. You you forgot about Mo Salah. We yeah. had the chance to sign him on loan. When, is that when he was at Basel? No, he was Before playing for that. an Egyptian club called yeah. Arab Contractors. That was literally the name of the team. And now we're about to be owned by Arab Contractors. It's kind of crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Mo Salah could have come on loan from Egypt for $500,000 or pounds at the time. And we could have got him on the books and we could have got him playing in the team. And as it turns out, then he obviously went on to, to play for Chelsea, went on to play for Liverpool. We missed out on him, guys. We could have had Mo Salah banging in the goals for Newcastle. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do devil's advocate here. I'm glad that we never got Mo Salah on the books because what would have happened is he would have been really good, and then we would have sold him immediately for like 11 million pounds, and now he's one of the highest valued players in the entire world. So I am so, so happy that Mo Salah never put on the black and white jersey. Wow. Also, Deli Ali. Got the chance to sign him from MK. Oh yeah, yeah. That's at, true. when he was at MK Dons, mm-hmm. he he was one of the. He, I, he, I remember that he was one of the hottest prospects yeah. coming out of the championship that I've ever seen. I think a, a recent one, a recent news bit for you is furloughing his staff during mm-hmm. COVID nineteen. Yeah, that's got to be one of the worst things he's done. 
as an owner for sure. Not the not the only owner in the Premiership to do it, but currently the only owner that hasn't done it and then reneged on it. Yes. Well, Correct. okay. I'll say this: given the news that the 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 Athletic have just dropped about the fact that essentially, like when this takeover happens, you know, fingers crossed that that's like one of the first things they'll do is unfurl everyone. Of course. I kind of understand the point. But then also, like, dude, come on, just unfurl everyone, take the hit, like, gosh. You want to buy good favor as a new owner coming in? Like, that's a huge win right off the bat right there. You're going to curry favor immediately. Here's one before we get into renaming the stadium. Um, I think it was last January transfer window. Rafa asked, no, before that. No, I think it was, I think it was last January before we had signed Al Rohn. Uh, we were looking for a, uh, like, everyone's like, why aren't we spending money? We're doing some loan deals, blah, blah, blah. It might have been the January before that, though. No, it was last January. Um, and Mike Ashley then went and signed House of Frazier, which might have been uh, his best signing uh, to date. But, yeah, just, like, the the annoying part about Mike Ashley was he was not spend money on the club, but then he would spend money just, like, in general to buy failing businesses hoping that it would work, and it never worked. I remember Greg and I were talking, um, I want to say it was the beginning of this season, he bought a CD store, a record store that sold CDs and DVDs. And it's like, dude, like in the age of Netflix and Spotify and Apple Music and Hulu, you're going to buy a DVD and CD store? Like, come on, if you're going to spend 50 million pounds, at least spend it on like Holland or something, like spend it on a player. I don't know. My favorite part of that whole House of Fraser story was at the same time we were in the market to potentially buy Ryan Fraser from Bournemouth. (laughs) So we didn't get Ryan Fraser. We got the House of Fraser. (laughs) Fantastic. That was a good time. All the memes from that were just like introducing our new signing House of Fraser. I love those. (laughs) Those are are, are class. Well, I think that kind of sums him up entirely in a way is that like he he treated Newcastle no differently than he treated he treats sports direct and mm-hmm. the guy made his money at this kind of you know like retail boom in the you know at the turn of the century but like everything is coming home to roost for him it's not only Newcastle that's falling apart from Mike Ashley like he is in implicated in a ton of different legal you know cases and like as, as just that kind of like I don't know that like the the guy from It's a Wonderful Life. Like that's who I think of when I think of Mike Ashley is just like this this like innately like selfish human being who's finally getting all of his comeuppance right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's move to the stadium naming. It's funny to me when when it was proposed that he was going to rename St. James's Park uh, for money while he wouldn't allow any other advertising to be made at the stadium, uh, which he could have easily supplemented that money and not name the, rename the stadium. Uh, that's just the first thing I always think about with this. But uh, just general reaction when that news came that it wasn't going to be St. James's Park. Oh, oh, to your heart, always. And it is yeah. now. But what's, what's your guys' thought? Adam, we'll start with you. Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, that was probably the biggest knife in the back of Newcastle fans that you possibly could have had. You think about the history of the club. You think about, like, how integral when you think about Newcastle, like, and I've, I've been to a game in Newcastle. I think, I think a couple of you guys have as well. So like going into Newcastle, you, you kind of arrive in the city and the stadium is on the Hill. Everything in Newcastle is about St. James's park. And it's about that football feel in the city. Um, and see, and seeing the ground there at the top of the Hill, you know, 
the name of it has been the same for so many years, for, you know, for centuries, um, since the club was founded in the 1800s. And then to come in and take that away just for sponsorship and use it to basically say, hey, sponsor that comes in and wants to sponsor our shirts, along with your shirt deal, you get the naming rights to the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did it just as a way to try and bring in an extra few uh, pounds in the door. And I think it was one of the worst business decisions he could have made. And I think when Wanga came in, Wanga is a very controversial company, lo- um, loan company in the, in the UK. And there was a lot of criticism when they picked them as the sponsors, but credit to Wanga. They were the ones that changed the name of the stadium back to St. James's Park yeah. immediately after signing the shirt deal. Yeah. Any other comments there before we move to yeah. best and worst? Yeah, just real quick. I think one thing that that is is hilarious. You talk about Sports Direct, and just I can't. We can't end this without mentioning that this for 13 years, Newcastle's been free advertising for Sports Direct, and just another way for Sports Direct to make a lot of money from looking at the team store and how. I mean, it, it is very uncommon to outsource your team store to a apparel company. Like I think Newcastle might be the only case. And like I've literally studied sport management for a career like like that is what i studied in college i've never seen that ever before like it's completely outsourcing most people do it in-house but things like that are obviously annoying and then when you bring up the fact that if you look at our commercial revenue it's among the lowest in the premier league because we're basically you know selling deals to sports direct for an extremely cut rate and so it's just that's just very slimy has to be mentioned I think it's a given that, you know, everyone knows Sports Direct has been the biggest benefactor of the last 13 years uh, under the Mike Ashley tenure. Um, but, yeah, just we can't go without mentioning that. All right. Yeah, I oh, I, I think right. that – sorry, just last point I was yeah. going to make is I, 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 have this, I have this, like, lingering suspicion that, you know, if and when the sale goes through and Mike Ashley is completely disconnected from Newcastle, that in the next few years there will be – some investigations that are put into the relationship, the financial relationship between Sports Direct and oh, yeah. Newcastle United. Like I, I don't, I don't think that Mike actually selling the club ends his involvement with Newcastle. I just think it'll take a very dark turn for him because there's no way in my mind that everything he was doing was clean. Oh, that's, dude, that's our commercial hard. revenue was like five million pounds a couple of seasons ago, which makes zero sense. Like commercial revenue, like all, like that's all of our signage and stuff total was like five million pounds that like there's just no way that like that is by any way like clean it just doesn't make any sense all right let's move on let's go uh let's start with your favorite signing during the mike ashley era oh gosh my favorite it's really easy you want to go first yeah, it's obviously Hosselu. He's the best thing that ever graced the planet. Of like Hosselu, he brings me such joy, and I think he's just so pure of heart. And he came to Newcastle, um, and Stoke Stoke City fans were just completely upset, and they were torn to shreds that they were. We were letting this hot Spanish prospect from Real Madrid just waltz into Newcastle for a mere five million pounds, and he came and he he put in the work. He put in the work. He may have not gotten the results that people wanted. But he put in the work. He put in the work. And so, I mean, Hosselu is easily my favorite signing. Was he the best signing? No. I have my best signing. It's a bit controversial. Not controversial. Maybe people haven't thought of it. But Hosselu is my favorite. Okay. Well, we'll, then we'll start with favorite signings. Okay. Um, My favorite signing is one of the first ones that Ashley did. I've been talking about a lot about when Ashley started, but it's Colacini. 
Oh, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Good shout. Uh, I like that. I want curly hair too. I mean, that's like he, he was an icon, still is, still, he's like considered, goes down as like a Newcastle legend for the oh, time. Oh, 100%. He was Absolutely. Um, Definitely looking was, forward to having a lot of Newcastle like, legends back in, in the fold once this happens. Yeah. I think that's going to happen. For sure. I think it was like nine mil or something around that. I don't know if somebody will have to fact check me. It's like nine, nine and a half. But I'll tell um, you exactly how much it was, Greg. It was 10.3 million because that was also my votes for Bricio Calcini. Oh, awesome. Ooh. Awesome. Um, okay. Any other? Oh, Zach, what, who's your favorite signing? Uh, Jonas, uh, which was yeah. a year after he took over summer of 2008. Um, yeah, uh, kind of similar to the uh, the parody that that Elijah was doing there with Hasselu. I I would not by any means say that Jonas was one of the best players to ever play for Newcastle, but I would say, you know, that man wore the the Newcastle badge on his heart, mm-hmm. and um, still to this day, every time he tweets. He always does hashtag at UFC <laughs> yeah. like without fail. And yeah, I, I love Jonas. Best celebration also in Newcastle. Yeah, Spidey mask. Oh with, without oh a doubt. Gosh. Like without a doubt. It's not even questioned. question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jonas would be my favorite. Yeah. I mean, okay. and realistically, it's probably for me, it's actually probably like Miggy or ASM just because, well, honestly, maybe DeAndre Yedlin because I think. When we signed DeAndre Yedlin, um, obviously, like, there was not a lot to look forward to because it was going into the championship season. But that was actually really cool for me because DeAndre Yedlin already was my favorite player on the national team, partially because he was black and, like, our personalities seemed to match up. Like, black, he seemed funny. I liked that he had a lot of swag. He was fast. He kind of had all the attributes I had as a right back, which was just being really fast, and that's it. So I, I really do think, like, if we're going down, if I can meet one player in Newcastle ever, it's probably going to be DeAndre Yedlin because I think he's a cool-ass dude. All right. All right. We'll bounce it to you, Adam. Uh, for uh, who is your least your your least favorite signing under the microphone? Least basketball? favorite signing. Um, okay, I'm going to go with a striker this time. I'm not okay. going to go with the obvious one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I thought it was I thought it was going to be a forty million dollars somewhere uh, around. This guy was a little cheaper than that. Um, remember a guy called Emmanuel Riviere? Yes. Three, so listen to these stats. I love my stats, as Zach knows. Three goals in two seasons and twenty-seven games for the tune. In his career, fifty-six goals from two hundred and fifty-nine games, and he's playing in like Sunday leagues right now, and he's still only thirty years old. We signed him for for six million in the summer of 2014. Um, and basically, he was terrible. He scored two goals in a League Cup game, and he scored one goal in a Premier League that bounced off his shin, off a deflection, and went, <laughs> and went into the goal. Now, you might say he's got more goals than Joel Linton, and you could make that point. He certainly does for, <laughs> for Newcastle. But he was still a pretty terrible player. For $6 million, he'd get my vote. He's scored as many yeah. goals from his foot as I have in my life. Wow. There you go. Like we're the same. I'd rather have you up front than I would Emmanuel Riviere. <laughs> a big body. I can, I can get some elbows out there. We'll, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> um, Zach, who's your least favorite NUFC signing so, in the Ashley era? So, so, so when, when Adam said he was going to do a striker and it wasn't Joe Linton, I was worried that he was going to steal mine. But I'll go even more kind of, you know, out outcast striker. I'm going to do a loan signing for half a season. It's Islam Slamani. I was going to do a loan signing <laughs> as well. Oh, I, I was going to do another Slimani. one. 
<laughs> and and I, I I'm gonna claim that I can give you a more appalling statistic uh, than, than that goal record. So Islam Salani was on loan from Leicester to Newcastle from January 2018 to the end of the season. He was on our books for a total of 14 matches, 14 matches, and he played a total of 130 minutes, which is just over. He got that's, that's, injured, Zachary. He was he out got, for most so, of those games. So oh, he wow. didn't. Yeah. So 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 he didn't play the first six matches after being signed on loan. And in the five matches he played, zero goals, zero assists, and then was suspended for the last three matches of the season. Islam Salati, like by far and large, I think the worst thing that has ever graced the pitch for me. Well, so okay, I thought he was, Zach, I thought he was I, clinical, clinical. I can I can one up you on on half the season loan signings. Who is the only Newcastle player? to make their debut at Wembley Stadium. I know. If you guys don't know, I know. <laughs> what, what position? Um, I'll give you uh, – he's on the back line. I'm not going to tell you where he played. It's on the back line. I'm not sure. Antonio Barreca. <laughs> oh, I just gave it Antonio away. Antonio Barreca. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Antonio Barreca. Oh, Wembley okay. Stadium. Which game? He Spurs. played against Tottenham Spurs? last season. They were at Wembley. It was yeah. the only. It was, was like, the only player lost in a cup final. It's been a long time, guys. <laughs> yeah, no. The only player no. to debut at Wembley, and he only played two minutes in his entire career at Newcastle. <laughs> That's that, pretty. That bad. does beat. And, well, I think it. And like, we're not. So, like, I don't know if he's the worst signing Newcastle ever made because, again, no, no financial real value attached to him. But he's yeah. my least favorite because, like. I spent time doing research in order to do like an emergency like t- like podcast on this guy. Went and like watched film of him on YouTube. Just a waste of my time. And so he's my least favorite because I spent so much time like trying to talk myself into this like left back that we got from Monaco that was going to be like you know fix our left back issue. And he played two minutes as a sub at That's Tottenham good. in a game in which we were I think we were losing at that point too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming. I don't know. I'm, yeah. We're just going to assume we were losing because <laughs> why not? Because, yeah, because that's what was going on. Yeah. Uh, uh, for me, uh, so I was going with Bereka as well, but that's obvious. I, I mean, a guy that played was on the team for a while and only played two total minutes, and he was coming from Monaco is certainly surprising. Um, but my my worst signing, I'll go with, who's still currently employed. Oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> is who, Elijah? It's Jack Colback. Oh, I mean, you could definitely say it's him. I, I would say Jack Colback over Audrey Saive. Oh, were you going to say uh, what's his face? Ockroft Lazar. Ockroft Lazar, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's That's still employed. One. He's uh, playing in Serie B right now for Casenza. Uh, he's barely playing for them, or was barely playing for them. Uh, he. He hasn't been good anywhere except for one season. He was at Parma and uh, – or Palermo, sorry. He was at Palermo. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. that's it. That's all the only significant season he had. And he still got torched in that season. But we signed him anyway, permanent deal, and he has not done anything for Newcastle since. Multiple yeah. long spells and unsuccessful ones of that. He's still getting paid. And he yeah. wants to be a part of Newcastle's future. Like, he <laughs> yeah. keeps talking about that. And I'm like – and I've been on the record saying that his his next move is to the MLS for Orlando City. It makes too much sense. Orlando City <laughs> are a type of team in the MLS that are like, 
hey, like we just signed this guy. He played in Europe, and then it's like, oh wow, this guy played in Europe. And you look at his stats, and like, oh, oh, this guy was not, this guy was not good. So, yeah, don't well, don't be surprised. We're gonna get into some segments. Uh, we're gonna end with some fun, oh, wait, fun stuff. You don't want to do the um, best signing. Like, I think that's different than favorite. Oh, did we not? Think, oh, yeah, that's right. Let's yeah, do best we signing. Do the best quick. signing. Yeah, <laughs> that's my. my I can go first there. real quick. Um, yeah, I think the the actual answer. Might be Iosef Perez, which is very controversial because we did. I mean, and I'll let other people speak on that. But my actual answer is going to be Genie Wijnaldum. Because when you look wow. at Genie Wijnaldum and his career and the fact that he played on Newcastle for, like, what, half a season, a season, a season, it's, it is it is absolutely wild that we bought him, convinced him to play at Newcastle while we were not good. And then he was signed by Liverpool and is probably one of the most important players um, in the Liverpool midfield, it is started the Champions bizarre. League final. Yeah, it's absolutely bizarre that Mike Ashley made that signing. Um, so I, I'll have to give it to him, uh, and that's just that's, that's my personal opinion there. Yeah, uh, I like that. What about you, Zach? Best signing? Yeah. So I, I was thinking of doing Genie, uh, but I elected for another uh, a, attacking midfielder. Johan Kabai would be my top signing uh, for for. Newcastle signed in summer of 2011 spent three years at the club um I, I think that Kabai was the best passer of the ball that we have had at Newcastle since Mike Ashley took over in, in 2007 uh so yeah I love Johan Kabai his his free kick to top off or to get the second of the three goals in that three nil win against Man U when it went bar down I will never forget that moment that was that was amazing and he also scored the he also scored the only goal when we beat Man U at Old Trafford for the first time in fifty six years. I remember that. Yeah. So, All right, Adam. Yeah, Kabai could play one. Best signing. Uh, for me, I'm older, thirty seven. I was okay. around for the Keegan days originally. Sir John Hall, Freddie Shepard ownership as well. Those were glory days, right? We were an amazing attacking team. For me, the closest that we've gotten to that in terms of attacking flair since then is a gentleman called Hatem Ben Arfa. Mm. Um, we got him for two million for Marseille. Um, when you think of like maverick players, and I think back to my time supporter in Newcastle, I think of like the David Ginolas, the Hatem Benarfas. Now maybe Saint Maximin as well. You know, it's been a while since we've had a player of that caliber. Um, Hatem Benarfa for me on his day was better than any of those guys. Um, just incredible. The goal against Bolton where he waltzed through the defense and um, scored a wonder goal against them. Still probably. They show it on highlight reels for the EPL to this day. An amazing player, amazing goal. All right. And my my final one that I'll get at is Tempo Ba. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, great, Tempo that's a great show. Um, I think I think if you did make a list of like the top five signings, like all of the people we mentioned will be on that list in the Ashley era. So it's it's we we made a good list. I would say Iosi Perez would also be on that list just yeah. due to sheer oh, yeah, yeah. one. Well, that would probably like, be fit, I obviously, right? he's a polarizing four. player. Like, he's a no, polarizing he... player for sure. But the fact that you turned 1.5 million into 30 million pounds yeah. and you could have turned it into potentially more. Like, I mean, if there was no release clause, I could see Iosi Perez getting sold for 40 million pounds, especially if Joel Linton was bought for 40 million pounds. <laughs> that is just like sheer, just beautiful business, just like just great business by Mike Ashley. I guess he's probably it's probably his pride and joy is you know buying this player for less than two million pounds and turning yeah. it into the thirty mil. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great shout. Uh, yeah, I, I, of the four, we said Iose Perez was probably going to be 
that that next player. No order, like in in any order. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into some fun segments on this podcast on a nice little lighter note because uh, mm. Ashley sucks. Um, but we're gonna take a break first, and uh, we're gonna holler at you boys after that. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, and we're back, and we're going to do some Newcastle quake takes. Take quakes, take bad takes. That's takes? Who knows? Takes. Um, and there's some bad ones out there, especially now with this takeover looming. So we're going to highlight some people that just had some just awful takes and also just takes that are like make us laugh um (laughs) and there's a lot of that but there's a lot where that came from the first one i want to highlight is richard keys yes (laughs) oh oh, richard keys today he said on bn sport which we have a whole other thing coming about whatever that that is (laughs) um he said today or sorry we're recording this on tuesday so it's friday now so that day uh, he said that I just wish it wasn't Newcastle that the Saudis were buying. Like he's so mad that he hates Newcastle so much and he hates our fans so much that he just wishes that they, they could have bought any other club, but he just wishes that it wasn't Newcastle. That made me so happy. Let's roast Richard Keys. I think that. Richard Keys would be happy if if the Taliban bought another club in like <laughs> As long as that club was like their goal was to like if the Taliban bought Sunderland because he hates Newcastle so much he'd be excited for the Taliban buying Sunderland. Like I don't understand why Richard Keys is so obsessed with Newcastle fans and why he feels need to comment on every bit of business with Newcastle fans. This is the same man who said that if Rafa doesn't like the fact that Mike Ashley, the owner of the club, worth multiple billions of dollars didn't want to spend money on transfers that Rafa should should sign the players himself and spend the money himself I I don't I don't understand Richard Keys just is is super salty for no reason and honestly like you know I I really hope that he finds a cure for all the hate in his heart for Newcastle because it's just unnecessary at this point uh false nines any comments for you guys I mean Richard Keys right off the that's bat it, that's it that's I mean, it you can just stop it right this, there. This, this, what is with the love affair between him and mike ashley no mm-hmm. true yeah and i mean this is a guy who's got questionable morals and behavior anyway i remember i think it was about 10 years ago now that he was fired from sky sports after some sort of sexism scandal um yeah. he also <laughs> cheated on his buddies wife. with andy gray with that racism thing that came out as well too the two of them were thick as thieves so just <laughs> questionable questionable judgment of morals as it is yeah um a, a very interesting dude to come in and and play moral high ground card here yeah yeah <laughs> uh, another another hot take is i want elijah to jump in on this one too stan collymore he uh said that the only thing that would be worse then Saudi Arabia buying Newcastle was if Donald Trump was buying Aston Villa. Elijah, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, well. Shout out to Aston Villa for being relevant again. Um, Stan that, also beat a woman. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we want to talk about morals. Uh, yeah, is- uh, yeah. That's the other thing. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if you have the moral like. 
it seems like the people with the worst takes are the folks who just like shouldn't be making takes in general. And so we'll just leave it at that. Like, you know, you know, do some self-reflection before you talk about someone else. And, you know, as it regards to Donald Trump, we'll just leave it at that. Like you can take that as you, as you wish. Uh, the fact that Donald Trump's being compared to the Saudi regime, I think says enough in itself. So uh, we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, okay, we'll move to the next one. Uh, one fan base had an extra, like, very odd reaction to all this news. And uh, we'll, we'll start with the false nines. I'm not sure how in tune you guys are to this, but Everton fans had a very, like, obsessed reaction to Newcastle's takeover rumors. And there's been a lot of threads about this. I'd like to hear your thoughts on all the Everton fans that just popped out of the woodwork just like wrote, trying to roast Newcastle and make fun of us for yeah. just being linked to a takeover. I, I, I had, a, yeah, I, I found that very odd at first as well. Um, and what I think it is after thinking about it a bit more is this like younger brother syndrome that Everton fans have had for eons uh, <laughs> as yes. the, the, yes. the, ob- the objectively smaller club in Liverpool and like <laughs> historically worse club in Liverpool for the last, what, 30 years or so. Um, uh, so I think it's partially that. And then I think it's also this overshadowing of the new stadium that they have. And they, they were trying to build hype around that, you know, like this, this amongst the Northern cities in England, they were trying to be the one to kind of drum up that excitement and now it's all, it's all gone. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't really have any sympathy for, for Everton or Everton fans. They're just like, I don't know. They're, they're never going to be Liverpool. And that's, that's a shame. For me, the, the, irony, side Mackums, right? yeah. the irony of that story is Everton are in a better, in better shape right now than they've ever been. Yeah. Like you look at the, they've got a top five in the world manager in Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, Mashiri has come in as the chairman there. He's put good money into the club. He's backed his managers. He listened to the fans when they were saying that they wanted to, to make a change from a managerial standpoint. Like they're a club that has a really good footing that invests a lot in young players. I don't know why they felt the need to be jealous over something as trivial as that. They're, they're in a really good spot right now. I yeah. think the, I think for me, my, my thing is that I'm, I'm friends with an Everton fan. He's one of my closest friends in the world. And I've had the pleasure I'm a of watching. Supporter. Huh? I support Newcastle. Oh, sorry. Uh, his name is not Greg. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, I've had the pleasure of watching the last the last few Everton matches um, that we've had against Everton. Newcastle played Everton, and um, honestly, I do think that there's a little bit of saltiness in the Everton fan base about how our recent matches against them have gone. I mean, we've had the three-two comeback, um, and then of course, of course, we've had Pickford's dinosaur arms. Um, you know, letting in the two-two comeback in probably one, a match that was so bad. <laughs> Newcastle looked so bad that I think I literally stopped watching the match. Like I, it was in the middle of the week. I literally stopped watching it. A lot of fans had stopped watching the match, and we somehow pulled it off. I do think there's a little bit of salt there. Is that just like for like we've we've had we've had their number the past couple seasons, and there's nothing they can really do about it. And there's that. That's that. That's that, that's the tea on that. All right, and the last one is okay. getting into morals a little bit. Uh, the Mag released a, in my opinion, terrible take and uh, about Amnesty International's response to the Premier League about just becoming aware of what the Saudi, what the PIF is being funded by. Who is funding the PMS? PIF. 
whatever it is. Um, I'm drinking a lot of whiskey, so eventually slurs will just be natural. Um, and the mag put out an article saying that the Amnesty International is just a publicity stunt and nothing more. And they really like are just completely irrelevant to anything. Um, they got ratioed like more than most I've seen in Newcastle Twitter. Uh, there was, I think, well over 200 comments to like six retweets. They deleted uh, people the just tweet like update. they did delete it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they deleted the tweet <laughs> since then. Uh, it was just really bad to basically calling like the one human rights like group like a joke, and they were just a PR stunt. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, anyway. that's that's like that's like I don't know that that's where I kind of I I think the Newcastle fans need to to take a step back and really understand the entirety of a situation is is something like that. Uh, not at all not at all to not at all to accuse the majority of Newcastle fans for being that level of ignorant, but yeah, that that is a mind blowingly un, un uh, both unnecessary and very incorrect thing to say. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Any other comments there? Yeah, I am. Um, I, I told you guys before that I would try and play devil's advocate a bit here. Um, now, I don't condone what the mag was saying. Um, and I think that Amnesty International do a fantastic job in raising awareness of human rights violations all over the world. But what I will say is, it does seem like with everything going on in the world right now with COVID-19 and such a lack of sport and sporting relevant stories in, in the news right now, everybody and their mother wants to have an opinion on this. Yeah. Um, so maybe the mag was trying to do this to try and uh, probably with really poor judgment, trying to kind of ruffle a few feathers, trying to, um, you know, get their name out there while there's lots of people looking and focusing in on Newcastle. They couldn't have done it in a worse way, uh, in a way that pissed off a lot of people. Um, but I think a lot of people now are wanting to have a say, Richard Keyes, Stan Collymore, be in sports, all of these different people are trying to use this story to make themselves relevant again. Um, so outside of Amnesty International, I think it's just a story that has been gaining a lot of traction and probably wouldn't be talked of as much if it weren't for the situation we all find ourselves in right now. Yeah. Yeah. All uh, right. I mean, there's nothing really else to add. It's a bad take. And I mean, attacking Amnesty International is like, I don't know, attacking Gandhi is like, it's like, why, why even <laughs> do that? Yeah, like, like, don't do it. Just, just chill. Just, I understand you disagree, <laughs> but just leave it at that. I disagree. Don't attack them. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Now we'll switch it over to the false nines to take over about a segment that they do on their podcast. So I'll leave it up to y'all to introduce ten and ninety. Zach, it's your brainchild. Lead us in, my friend. Yeah. So to to give you a little bit of context, uh, ten and ninety was really the first. Thing, the first segment I came up with when um, kind of uh, conceptualizing the false nines. And so the, the, the reasoning behind the name is I originally thought it would be cool to do five questions from each co-host in a 90 second span as this kind of rapid reaction. The irony behind that is we have not once in the 41 <laughs> episodes that I've recorded of the false nines completed 10 questions in a 90 second limit, but Still, uh, it is a fun little kind of way for us to end the pod doing these random uh, facts, both hypothetical and statistical. I know that Adam, uh, for, for this episode, prepared a batch of uh, mm. good, fun, statistical questions. So, Adam, I'll, I'll let you uh, go for, go for yeah. it. Let's do it. All right. So, these are for Greg and Elijah. Um, okay. So, as you know, we are an English Premier League podcast. 
So I prepared some English Premier League stats for you. But as Newcastle fans, I tried to add a little bit of a Newcastle twist into some of the questions for you as well to keep it to keep it semi-relevant for um, CHN Radio as well. So. I'm just going to let you know Greg's going to answer all of these for me because you're the stats no. guy on False 9 and Greg <laughs> is the stats guy on CHN Radio. So I'm just going to excuse myself from this entirely. There we go. You can, you can stab a few guesses. There's you some Newcastle relevance in there too. All right. So question number one. Only two players in Premier League history have scored a hat trick of headers, and both have played for Newcastle during their careers. One was in 1997, one was in 2016. Both played for Newcastle at one point in their careers. Who are those two players that scored a hat trick with only headed goals? Oh, man. Uh, Iose Perez is the 2016 one. Okay. Uh, is that correct? It is or, not correct. That's not? It's not correct. Oh, I like man. how Zach gave us a thumbs up. That was like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I just, I just love, I just love Iosi Perez. <laughs> I just oh, like his name. <laughs> so I'll, I'll add that neither of them were playing for Newcastle at the time that they scored their hat trick. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I also got two though. I well, maybe I don't know. Um, oh crap! So they, um, so they were, dang. So they were not you can at least jump in with a 2016 one there, Elijah. I feel I'm like. just going to guess Andy Carroll in 2016. No. Okay. Incorrect. Uh, Greg, any, any more guesses? So Maybe was more guesses. Alan Shearer one of them? He wasn't. That was the obvious one that I thought people would go for because he's I'll, great. I'll give, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you guys a clue. Uh, the, the one who scored the hat trick in 1997 recently managed Everton. For a recently? hot minute. For a mm-hmm. hot minute earlier this season. Earlier uh, this season for a hot minute. Jesus and I'll give you Christ. another clue to, to move this along. Uh, his name rhymes with Schmunken Schmergeson. <laughs> Ken Ferguson. There you go. Is the first one. The second one Dang. was a Rafa Benitez. Rafa Benitez loan signing, um, who never signed permanently for the tune, and now applies his trade out in China. For Rafa Benitez. Oh, is it Dumbia? Oh, wait, oh it's Rondon. It's Ronda, Solomon Ronda, okay. exactly. Uh, yeah, for, for oh, West that Prom makes that makes 2016. sense. See, when yeah. you said he, see, I was thinking that the player had played for Newcastle before yeah. 2016. See, that that, was good. I see what you did there. That mm-hmm. wow. There All right. Go. Okay. All right. Question number two. We'll try. We'll try and make these a little bit quicker. <laughs> Which former Toon defender <laughs> holds? Won't a, be. <laughs> they probably won't be. <laughs> yeah, no. Which former no Toon defender holds an English Premier League record of being relegated four times with three different clubs? One of them was Newcastle in 2009. I'll give you the other two. Wolves in 2012, Norwich in 2014, and again for Norwich in 2014. No. Uh, That was my guess. Is it Grant Hanley? No, it's not Grant. um, No, it's Grant Hanley. It's not Grant Hanley. Is he currently on Leicester or was currently on Leicester? I think he's still at Norwich, but I might be wrong there. Oh, he's still at – oh, That might be totally wrong. I'm I'm trying to validate that right now. No, <laughs> Ryan Taylor. Yeah, he's he's actually playing for a team called Volos FC right now, but is probably most known for his time at Norwich. Uh, Sebastian Bassam. Oh my gosh! Oh, I should have got that one. I yeah, should've you should have. Again, I knew I wouldn't. <laughs> we're gonna go over. I'm just convinced. <laughs> you guys could. Um, I'm I'm looking for a year here, and I'll give you two years either way. This is an interesting statistic for you. Okay. When was the last Premier League game where no substitutes were made by either team? 
to a, a year. Um, yep. 2018. Greg? Uh, 2008. 2003. Uh, Man United beat Fulham 3-0, and no substitutes were made in no, that game. No that was the subs. last time. There were no oh, substitutes. Okay. Imagine Fulham being down like one or two zero and just not making a sub. I would be. It sounds up. like this. That's the <laughs> Steve. Br- but honestly, Steve Bruce does the same thing. Like he just is like, well, yeah, we're, we're down two like one. The eighth minute, and they're like, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> we're two, we're two down. Let's let's bring on a defender and take off a striker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> short up a bit, get some defender goals. Man, I'm finding out I'm really bad at this segment. Yeah, yeah I think my one. questions are equally as difficult. Or Adam's trivia is elite. Yeah, I think it's be both. Down. It's yeah, probably both. <laughs> All right, th- this is going back a little bit one, so this might be a tough one for for you, Elijah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the older of the two to try and dig back in the annals of history a little bit. Only two players in the Premier League, one is a former Newcastle player, have reached a hundred Premier League goals without scoring a penalty in those hundred goals. Name either one of those players. Was I alive for either one of these players' like careers? I mean, I was born in '97. Mm. Let's remember, I'm very young. Maybe for the latter of the two. All right, so I will not be guessing on this. the the one The one is the latter of the two. Who was later on was not the Newcastle player. He probably is most known for playing for Liverpool and Leicester. England international. England international. In fact, both of them were England England internationals. Brendan Rodgers. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, Northern oh, Irishman Brendan Rodgers uh, is incorrect. Yeah, I'm just I'm just it, throwing out <laughs> random names. <laughs> uh this may be really wrong, but I know he still did score a lot of goals. Is it Steve Bruce? It is not Steve oh, Bruce. Damn it. <laughs> he scored uh, so a lot of goals though. He like scored like he had like three seasons with like 15 or more goals. I was like, yep. what? Steve Bruce is a banger. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you the <laughs> latter of the two, the Liverpool Leicester player was Emil Heskey. Okay. Would and not, then the uh, former of the two played in the same team as Alan Shearer back in the day, in the late 90s. Is it Genoa? It is Leslie Ferdinand. Ferdinand. Sir yep. yep. Uh, Why are you so right. good at this segment, dude? This is absurd. That was, that was really good, though. Um, yep. All right. All right. La- la- last question, um, and unless Zach has any bonus questions for you guys to really stick the knife in a little bit. Um, who's the only Premier League player in history – to have scored 50-plus goals with his head. So think of somebody who's traditionally good in this the is, this Andy is Carroll. That's 50-plus goals. What? Andy uh, Carroll hasn't scored 50-plus goals in his career, bro. <laughs> I'm just guessing this, because um, we had this, this whole discussion on on our, in our Slack, actually. Andy Carroll is literally only good with his head. We He cannot play simple passes with his feet. We are convinced of this. That is well, that's, that's now, definitely. Yeah. This player is a – he is an England international who has scored over 100 goals in his career. One England of my international, players, you said? Yes, and yes. Uh, host of one of the best footy podcasts uh, currently out there. Harry Kane. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want Harry Kane's microphone? podcast. Oh, oh my, my God. God. That would be amazing. Can you imagine his voice for an hour? Oh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I would be – I would turn it off. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna have an answer here. Go on, Zach. You know who it is. He's your boy. It's Crouchy. It's Peter Crouch. Oh, oh that's actually God. fair. I knew yeah. Peter Crouch had a podcast too. I didn't even. Think I didn't. I didn't know that he had a podcast. So yeah, no, it's really good. Actually, it's quite good. 
Yeah. All right. Hey. Well, my turn. I suck. I suck at it. Oh, yeah, Zach, you, you, you got any bonus questions for them, Zach? Uh, no, I'm good for today. Okay. All right, All right. guys. Take, take it away. We got to get one. Come on, Zach. All right. we got Hy- well, okay. Well, well we've got a couple hypotheticals. True, so, you know. So we Hypothetical. Win. Your yeah, life's you on the line. <laughs> All right. Your life's on the line here. Um, do you take your chances saving a penalty taken by prime Andy Carroll or trying to score on Martin Dubrovka? So if Andy Carroll scores on you, you die. If you don't score against Martin Dubrovka, you die. Which option are you taking? Uh, uh, try, <laughs> trying to score on Dubrovka, 100%. It, trying to score a penalty is a numbers game. It's If I put it in the right spot, he's – and he guesses the wrong way, he's not going to get it. But I don't think I could save the power of a Premier League penalty, even if I guessed exactly right. I played, I played as a goalkeeper when I was in elementary school. So oh. I, I take my chances with Andy Carroll. He's lacking in confidence right now. He hasn't scored. Okay. Oh, it is like primary years. Carroll, though. Yeah, that's the thing. It's prime Andy Carroll, though. Yeah. Dude, he's, Andy Carroll scored less goals in his career than Peter Crouch has scored with his head in his career. So I'm, I'm still going with saving, saving Carroll's penalty. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, so um, Newcastle's last match before this whole COVID-19 fiasco occurred was against Southampton. We won 1-0. When was the last time Newcastle lost to Southampton? Ooh. I don't think it was this season. I haven't played them twice, right? Because It's not this season. No, I think we drew it home with them. Um, Was it 2015? We have a bad record no. against Southampton. I'd say it's more recently than that. I'll go with 17, 18 season. It's 2016. 16. Ah, okay. right yeah. So All we right. actually were, we were on a six-game unbeaten streak against Southampton. How many so, of those did we win, though, Elijah? Well, we've won – what? I think we've won three of them and drawn three of them. Yeah, drawn three, three of them. Three, so, three, and to be fair, right. the Southampton one, like the – we barely won that match, okay? It was like an Allen St. Maxman, like, last-minute goal when we were up a man. So, um, <laughs> we, um, all right, and then, okay, uh, Newcastle this season have been known for having a ton of defenders score. I think we lead the league in uh, goals scored by defenders. Um, by which defender has the most goals? Uh, it's not share. Lejeune put a, a, a nod think, for me there, but I don't I think, think it's, it's Fernandez. Lejeune. I think it's Fernandez. Interesting, interesting answers because it's a trick question. <laughs> because <laughs> we've got like five guys who all have two goals Both, <laughs> as yeah. defenders. Oh, so Jetro Willems is one of them. He's got two goals. Karen two Clark has two goals. Yeah, two, two bangers. bangers. Yeah, Karen Clark has two one goals. Cher uh, has two goals. Fernandez has two goals, and Lejeune has two goals. All right, so, we're, we're both so, so I guess so you guys technically got that right, but you two also two goals got it in three wrong. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> listen, <laughs> uh, Greg, you want to ask yours? Um, this is another life or death one. Um, you have to play, you have to beat a Newcastle player one on one in basketball. Who do you pick and why? One on one basketball. If you lose, you die. Yoshinori Muto, because he's like five foot one. And I'm six two, so I feel like I would just out rebound <laughs> him, even if I kept missing. That's fair. That's good. Ooh, good yeah. shout. Um, it's obviously not Lascelles. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Lascelles. <laughs> no. uh, I, I, 
I'm gonna go with Miggy. I think I can body Miggy. Oh, yeah, that's a good shot too. I was just gonna say one of the Longstaff brothers, probably Maddie Longstaff, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they're that's, just that's, so that's, damn white, that's, dude. Like Jack Colback. There's I no way they've shot a basketball. Yeah. Like, no. White men I, I, can jump, though, Elijah. Well, oh, there's right. a movie about that, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a movie about that. I'm definitely taking on Jack Colback all the way. Oh, oh yeah, that, for sure. Question. <laughs> and, and we've got one more hypothetical for you. It's the last one. I think it's probably the most difficult one. Would you rather never be able to watch Newcastle play, but they win the Premier League and Champions League every season, every season, or you can watch them knowing that you'll that knowing that they'll never win any trophies until you die? I'd probably take the latter because that's kind of my life right now. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that's what we've been doing. We've known that. Like, yeah, that's, that's what we've been actually, doing for the past decade anyway. They haven't won since anything since the 50s, so it's like yeah. <laughs> it's just status quo for me. Yeah. Um, for, first of all, Adam, that's disgraceful that you forgot about the Inner Toto Cup. Uh, second <laughs> you all, said it right, my friend. Well done. <laughs> second of all, yeah, I, I say I would take the latter as well, never seeing them. Uh, or, or, or rather, I would take the former. I would never watch them, but they win every year because admittedly, there are a lot of people who are from Newcastle who deserve to see a championship far more oh, than wow. I do. Oh, it's a I sacrificial it. answer. I or love the it. fans. I, I, all wow. the Newcastle listeners are going to love you, Zach. Nothing Zach, to do with the Zach, fact that you Zach. don't watch the games anyway, Zach, right? <laughs> oh, 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 man. Shot shotted. I, I love that's, it. That's, uh, that's Zach, I'm the martyr. For the people, Pensac, right there. Mm, mm, exactly. There you go. Run for president. The, so political. The people's champion. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, that's going to wrap it up, y'all. We've loved doing this podcast. We love that you listen to this podcast. Um, Zach, uh, Adam, I know you're not on Twitter, but Zach, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, so uh, if people want to follow me on Twitter, uh, my handle is ZPensac, which is my last name, P-E-N-S-A-K, ZPensac Official as I am the official Zach Pensack Twitter account. So that's Z Pensack official. Uh, yeah. Follow me on Twitter and I, uh, yeah, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed, enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for having us on today, Greg and Elijah. This was a, a pleasure. And we'll keep following the progress. Hopefully, hopefully cans are official sometimes. Yes. Oh, and, and let me tell you what, a premier league podcast is beautiful to listen to when one of the teams is worth $260 billion. Mm. Just saying. (laughs) All right. Well, that concludes our crossover podcasts, our Mm. combined podcasts. We're going to do many more of these, um, and we should appear on the Foss Nines, guys. That should be obvious. Yeah, a lot. We we also watch other teams besides Newcastle. Well, (laughs) not really, but we we do. We pay attention. (laughs) Um, But we really appreciate you guys listening and. Get ready for an announcement if said takeover happens. Follow at CHN underscore radio for that. We're going to have a big party. A lot of fun guests on that. But until then, that concludes this episode. I am Greg Troxel. That's Elijah Newsom. That's Sheikah. And that's Zach Pensack. Always the lads. Always the lads. Always the lads. Love you guys. The dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Geordie And to live in Geordie land Some people think we're 40 And we're hard to understand 
They say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I've walked the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the river dine I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away Kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing hey how we I'm coming home Then I miss the old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door He plays a mean accordion you've all seen him there before And I love the Jody heroes there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the darkness in James's Park in the Gallagher Tent in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. Walk the streets all day I'll wait for a bottle of the river Tine I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother seeing him how I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll wait for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again Brave the dog is in James's pocket, the Gallagher's end in the rear. I'm going-